This is the I Read Comic Books Podcast. I am your host, Mike Rappin. Joining me this week, two adults who are helping escort me out of the mall for being too large to ride the penny pony. I mean, I thought this was America. I thought this was America. Um, Kara Shamborski. <laughs> and Nick White. Hey, uh, yeah, they, they, they do have limits for the, the Myers horse. There, there are rules. Exactly, exactly. That's the Midwest reference that I was going with this week. This is episode 276 of I Read Comic Books. I gotcha, I gotcha. I'm very excited to talk about comic books with Kara and Nick this week, so let me ask this legally mandated question that I'm forced to ask every single week. I Actually, before I get into that, I want to remind everybody that we have a hangout, or tell everybody, we have a hangout coming out on March 20th at 8pm, so be there, bring a taco for me. I expect everyone to have some sort of dish to pass, so don't just show up with chips. I expect you to make something, bring a casserole, whatever you prefer. We're going to be there on March 20th at 8pm in our Discord, so make sure to join us. Let's get into comic books. What are you excited for? I guess, what comics have you been reading? How have you been? I'm all over the place. Nick, let's start with you. Wow, I mean, we're really kicking this off on a good note, and you're handing it yes. to me, which means this is not going to go anywhere good. But uh, yeah, things are good. Things are fine. Doing a lot of reading, quite a bit of reading. Uh, one of the things I read was um, Berserker number one, although technically all of us diehards are calling it Berserker, which oh is kind God. of bad because you never really know if someone's pronouncing the title properly or having a brain aneurysm. Right. So that's maybe not the best idea, but they went with it. So this book is co-written by Keanu Reeves and Matt Kent. Keanu does have the main, you know, top of the call sheet, as they say in the industry, which I mean, okay, fine. We can argue that one. Uh, Ron Garney on art. I guess he's a big two hot shot. I don't know. No clue. I guess he did Daredevil. That's great. Oh my gosh. Nick. <laughs> I'm making fans left and right, I'm sure. Uh, people are screaming into their telephones or whatever they're listening to this Ron podcast. Ron Garney on right is now. an American treasure, you idiot. Okay. Uh, Bill, Crab, Bill Crabtree on colors, Clem Robbins on letters. Obviously, we talked about this book last week. It's a big deal for multiple reasons. Got delayed a couple times. Number one, Keanu Reeves is involved. Number two, uh, best-selling book with 600,000 copies, sold more copies. It's the Nothing has but, come close to this since Star Wars number one. Right, but, but is this loot box style? Like, Yeah, I know. How are the, like, how are the numbers being manipulated? Blah, blah, blah. The only two things, lies and statistics, we all know. Yeah, yeah. Read into it however you want. But still, big deal. Obviously, they got in some hot water with Kickstarter. Do you guys really need the money? Maybe you do. Maybe you don't. Boom said, oh, we're just trying to expand the reach. We're trying to reach people who don't normally read comics. And everyone said, oh, really? Do we really want to believe that? This, I am still, this like, is literally, I'm still flustered. This is literally what Archie Comics did like six or seven years ago. Because what happened was Fanagraphics did their Kickstarter because they're like, what their co-founder had just died and he was like mm -hmm. the reason they were existing so like that was a big community swell of support and everyone supported the fanographics thing and like they're okay now and then archie comics was like oh we can make money that way let's do that and they tried a kickstarter and everyone was like mm -hmm. what the fuck are you doing <laughs> right um, well, it's the same thing with Boom, but Boom didn't cancel their their Kickstarter like after five days. I, Boom's Boom's justification of we're trying to broaden our horizon by getting more people to read that's bullshit. You, Kickstarter has an entire division dedicated to comic books because of how popular comic books do on Kickstarter. Like you're not trying to appeal to a different audience; you're just 
just trying to use this the sensationalism of Kickstarter that has this limited time offer kind of yeah, thing yeah. to get more like get people to say like dedicate their dollars in advance rather than using previews. It's uh, uh, genuinely we could do a whole episode about. It. I think we have an episode coming up about this that is going to be just all about Kickstarters, and so I'm going to get up on the tallest Empire State Building tall soapbox about all of this shit. Just you guys wait. Do it. Oh boy. Anyways, anyways, so sorry, bad. Nick. I know you're talking no, about this I mean, book. No, I mean, so I, as we also talked about last week, I think it becomes a question of whether or not you choose to believe these things or not. I, I do believe that this book was already funded and everything was taken care of before they went to Kickstarter. Mm-hmm. And I do believe that they were strictly using Kickstarter to fund 19 different permutations and variations of this book. Do those need to sure. exist? Great question. I don't know. That's up for debate. If people want that stuff, then they can buy that stuff. I suppose that's, uh, you know, uh, how the economy works. I don't know. You tell me. Um, so that's fine, I guess. Um, again, controversy, I suppose. Um, beyond that, in terms of the book itself... Um, it's, it's not a bad deal. It's like 50 pages for like four and a half dollars. If you have CU, so it's not a, it's not a bad way to get you in on the ground floor. I think that was pretty smart in terms of the book itself. I think really the biggest point where I think you, I certainly go back and forth on this book is, is this book for me? Was this book meant to be like something generated for my interest and and i do genuinely believe that if you look at this book from the framework of was this trying to actually get new comic book readers i i I think it does kind of achieve that you've got a big name in keanu reeves obviously the main character is modeled after keanu reeves um it's a very actiony book i do think that it does sort of not overwhelm people with prose, which I guess kind of goes both ways. If you're someone who's never read comics before, maybe you kind of see prose as a crutch because like prose is like the part you understand. You're like, Oh, I know what to do. This is reading at this point. Mm -hmm. And I think, I think this book could have gone the easy way out and just gone super prose heavy. But instead, I think if you look at it as a book, that's trying to transition people into a phase of, visual literacy i think it does that very well there's actually probably like 30 words in the whole goddamn book yeah i mean and i think what's good about that is it does sort of like i said it moves people towards being more visually literate than relying on prose and i think what helps that is that the book doesn't do too many wild shifts if any you're almost always following if not always following this main character you're not changing to other character perspectives there aren't really that many time shifts in the book. I won't say anything more about that for fear of spoilers. There really aren't that many location shifts in the book. And so there aren't those moments where a lot of us that read comics a lot are able to sort of like realign ourselves and figure out what's going on. But if you don't have someone holding your hand, those sort of moments can be kind of confusing. So I mm-hmm. do think it genuinely makes an effort to put something out there that I think is something that new readers might be able to understand. I think the art style is not really house, but it's like house adjacent, which is fair. House house for who? For boom? Like house, <laughs> like when I say house, I'm talking like big two house, right? I, uh, okay. I think this All is right. like big two house adjacent. It's like a variation this... on the theme. It's not wild, wild Riley Rossmo art, but sure. it sort of is 
maybe expanding people who don't, again, people who don't read comics. I think this is sort of giving them the idea that comics can look a little different without giving them something that looks utterly foreign. Right. I mean, it doesn't look like a Mark Bagley book, right? Yeah. yeah, yeah, I, yeah. I, I understand that. But it does look like John Romita Jr. And if you've picked up Spider-Man in any time in the last 25 years, you've seen John Romita Jr.'s art. Yeah. So like, it's, it's like John it's Romita weird. Jr. dialed up to 11. It it's no 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 because if you've read Anti Venom you would know what John Romita Jr. Di- dialed up to eleven looks like. This looks like <laughs> John Romita Jr. dialed down, and someone actually kind of tried to clump this clay together to look like an act like an actual thing. Versus when he goes free full reign, it just looks like a ton of scribbles and the like that look like something that that you would expect in a Ray Fox book. But he wasn't trying to do it artistically; he was doing it because he just wanted it to look busy. I, I'm getting, listen, I'm I'm getting like sort, mental I'm whiplash trying today. to follow these references. <laughs> like this is sorry, I'm no, all over the great. place. This I'm book, just, I'm, I'm so frustrated by this this book because as much as I liked it, I feel like it's Matt Kent doing a Mark Miller. That's that's my oh. thing about it. Nick, you've, Nick's been sending me these Siskel oh. and Ebert fucking YouTube videos, and now I feel like he Wait and a minute. I Wait have a minute. That. No, look, go look, back. To don't the- don't drag my YouTube rabbit holes into this public sphere okay all i'm saying is it feels like you and i are now siskel and ebert but sorry go ahead (laughs) go back to the the matt kent does did you say frank miller mark mark millar mark millar Millar. yeah sorry no that's that's a vivid picture that's helpful for me because that's a name that's a little more recognizable because now i'm visualizing like you're trying really hard to go for like just carnage just like carnage for the sake of the carnage and everything is like really intense and there's blood everywhere for no reason so kara you've read this book then is what you're saying oh i know now <laughs> see but that was a good reference i got that one yeah, the yeah, spider-man yeah. one is lost on me Sorry. because i think spider-man Sorry. and i'm like tom holland's so cute <laughs> not quite but like you you get it i, I think more I like understand. todd mcfarlane early 90s covers when i think spider-man sure. comics sure yeah, I mean, I, I I think like Mark Miller, with Mark Miller, there's frequently like underpinning things to the violence that make it even more discomforting, and we don't need to get into that at this point. Sure, but this sure. book is hyper-violent. This book is resoundingly yes. hyper-violent, and yes, it's a story about a guy who's this immortal warrior. He can't figure out why he can't die, and his goal is to figure out how he can actually do that. So again, if you read comics, you're like, geez, this sounds like Bloodshot. This sounds like Eternal Warrior. You know, this, this sounds, sounds like Wolverine. You've seen this character several times over and over. If you're new to comics, maybe this isn't something you've heard of. So maybe it doesn't, you know, feel like this is the third or fourth time you've encountered that. But this sure. book is so hyperviolent. And it obviously, like some of those other things, I think it's trying to run it for gags. Like, you know, isn't it funny that the the bad guys are trying to like, blow him up with explosives and instead he just grabs the explosives and holds it to the guy's chest and just lets it blow up because he can't die isn't that funny like Mm -hmm. isn't it funny to see him like get his nose blown off point blank range um again like i read a lot of books that have violence in them this feels like it's like got hbo season one syndrome where like your show is so desperate to show that it wants to be taken seriously that it's going to front load so much violence and so much sexual content just so you're like oh i get it this is a big boy program right like i I, feel like that's what this issue is doing (laughs) i just from the descriptions you have now given me of specific moments from this comic i'm like genuinely 
confused as to how Fox News would review this comic book. <laughs> like, would <laughs> would Fox News be okay with the violence because this is America, or would they be not okay with the violence because think of the children and the white yeah. women? Yeah, yeah. Like, <laughs> anyways, <laughs> we we have we have focused on this comic book for way too long. Yeah, but uh, you and I both read it. I think that's fine. My bottom line sure. with this book would be this: I think it's a perfectly fine starting issue. I'd say seven out of 10. It's Matt Kent. I do believe he is um, with 12 issues. I do believe he has some sort of bigger picture. I do think sort of the issues that I have with it kind of pounding some points ad nauseum and whatnot is again, because I do believe they are genuinely trying to put a book in front of new readers. And so a lot of the winding plot twisty stuff that I'm used to from Kent, I think we're going to get it, but I think it's Mm -hmm, going to mm -hmm. be, um, sort of like breadcrumbs and it's just going to be very slowly distributed. Yeah. Longest bottom line. I, I get it. I'm, I'm right there with you, except for, I feel like this book is going to be all vague and it's only going to get specific when, when Kent needs to take a twist on an idea that he feels like he's already ex- informed you about. Like, I think he's relying on the idea that people kind of know who Wolverine is and is just leading on that. And then when he, wa- when he wants to twist things, He'll he'll add details, but otherwise it's going to be vague. He's done this with his other books, and it's worked out well. But it to me feels like just kind of his standard mo at this point. So yeah, I, I bought this book specifically so we could have this argument on the episode, and now we're done talking about. It. So I'm not going to talk about it during my reads. Yeah, uh, there's um, more to be said. I think it will. We'll look at it. I think as the issues come out, probably. I don't think this is the last time we're going to be talking about Berserker. Yeah, that's fair. Was there anything else that you read this week that you wanted to talk about very quickly, Nick? Yeah, very quickly. I want to say I read Star Wars Volume 12, Rebels and Rogues, written by Greg Pak, art by Phil Noto, letters by Clayton Cowles. Or Cowles. Is that how we're supposed to Coles. say Coles. Cowles? Oh, we Coles. all have different pronunciations. Coles. Like, is, like what, coals in a fire? Yes. Okay, sure. So this is not to be confused with Volume 13, Rogues and Rebels. Some fucking editor or someone thought it would be really funny to call Volume 12 Rebels and Rogues and Volume 13 Rogues and Rebels with Mm -hmm. basically Mm -hmm. the exact same artistic team on both both volumes. Someone thought that was funny. Let me tell you, I had two minutes of trying to look up information for these books and it got all muddled because someone (laughs) thought this would be funny. It's not funny. Very weird, because you've got Greg Pak. He's only given seven issues to do what he wants with Star Wars, which is a little weird, because Jason Aaron got the first 37 issues. Kieran Galen got 38 through 67. That's not in, that's not even including four or five annuals that the two of them got to write between those points. Greg Pak mm-hmm. doesn't get any annuals, and he's given seven issues, which is kind of like when you're the kid at the end of the class where they're, they're giving presentations, and they're just trying to cram in your presentation before the end of the class period, and they're like, mm-hmm. I know you prepared 10 minutes, but you've got two, so can you do this? Like, can you mm-hmm. do this? And Greg Pak is like, all right, fine. Like, I've got some really fucking wild ideas. So there's, like, no preamble. Like, the beginning of the book is the big general guy going, all right, I got four different missions. These are your assignments. Go to these planets because the uh, – I don't I don't fucking know. The, the, em- the emperor and the empire, they're trying to find us, and we got to throw them off our scent, right? Like, that's it. And yeah. it's just right out of the gate. Like, literally within one page, he's like, go to these planets because stupid Marvel editorial only gave me seven issues, and I'm definitely not – I'm wasting any time. And to be honest, it actually, I enjoyed this a lot. Like he teams up 3PO with Chewbacca, which seems kind of weird, but basically 
Chewbacca actually respects 3PO, which is wild. And I think maybe that's because it only confirms my suspicion that Han Solo does not actually know what Chewbacca is saying. And 3PO <laughs> actually does. And this only further confirms this theory. Um, Han ends up with Leia because will they, won't they, sexual tension. It's probably getting really annoying to the rebel forces to have to put up with it. So he's like, you two need to just be by yourselves because I don't want to put up with this shit. Um, uh-huh. and, and, and the last thing I'll say is honestly, he's got some really wild aliens in this. He's got these like stone creatures that are kind of like Tony chew and chew, except instead of eating things and learning their past, these stone creatures, when they touch metal, they're able to like understand the hit past history of that metal. So they basically touch three PO and you get like two pages of like all of the bad shit that's happened to three PO up to that oh, point. Brother. And they're like, dude. Like, you do really want to go back to the humans? Like, we've seen what's happened to you. Um, right. That seems like Nick. a bad idea. Anyway. <laughs> we gotta keep going. We've already given you 15 minutes. It's funny. I loved it. <laughs> I don't know how Greg Pak managed to do so much with so little time, but I've enjoyed it. Cool. Uh, Kara, how about you? How have you been? How have comic books been? Now that, <laughs> sorry, I should have waited to put Berserker last. That's what I should have done. No, I'm sorry. it's cool. I mean, right up front, you're letting people know what where where you're at, where you're both at right now. Yeah. Um. All right. So I got to bring the tone down for a minute. Uh. For which I apologize in advance. Um. In the past month, uh, both my remaining living grandparents died. And this yeah. this relates to comics, I promise. <laughs> well, I'm very sorry to hear that, Kara. I mean, I, I knew I but got I'm, some I'm tonal very... whiplash here. Ton- but yeah, yeah, sure. tonal whiplash. This. I'm sorry. I, you know, you you asked how I am. It's that's, okay. That's really he coloring asked. everything. Yeah. Um, so, for f- listeners from the future, for posterity's sake, for context, this past month and a half, we have all been watching WandaVision unfold week to week. Did Disney know that I would need a show about processing grief (laughs) slowly unfold (laughs) around me as I processed grief myself during a global pandemic? I don't know. All I'm saying is that the polar vortex also hit the winter we had frozen come out. So you know what? So it it was just like unexpectedly a uh, helpful way to contextualize the the grief that's happening in my family now through watching this this fictionalized processing of grief so i was one of the people who was a little like oh there is a villain because like for the majority of the show it looked like grief itself was the villain and and and, you know like now that we have the finale it's a little more nuanced than that but like that Mm -hmm, was a helpful mm -hmm. lens through which to process things did i emotionally project myself into scarlet witch's conflict Probably, yeah. But, you know, mm-hmm. that is what fiction is for, to help us consider our own lives through new lenses. And so... Absolutely. Um, Wait, when is came- that what we're supposed to be doing with it? Yes, Nick. Yes. Yes, Nick. <laughs> yes. So um, so when it came time to, like, potentially reading reading some comics, I was like, oh, man, I really just kind of want to stay in this Scarlet Witch headspace and see what they got. And I had totally forgotten there was a Scarlet Witch series a few years ago Mm -hmm. so the first volume of that is called scarlet witch witch's road and it's very focused just on wanda and she's going on this journey to fix witchcraft like witchcraft is broken there's a mystery going on 
And I had read this when it came out, but clearly did not absorb any of it because Agatha is a character in this comic book and also on the show. And I just like, it was just, I did not know who she was when they were like, that's Agatha. I'm like, what? Who? Because uh, uh, ju- Minor spoilers for WandaVision. We'll just say that. How about that? <sighs> so um, reading the comic was interesting because it is the first volume is five issues and each of the issues was illustrated by a different artist so in each of the issues Wanda's in a different location and a different artist is illustrating it and there's even like a couple issues where within her new location she goes into like a magical sub section of that location and that has another artist so it's very easy to follow her jumps in space-time reality because they do these different art delineations and it's a really lovely way to see a lot of different um artists showcased in the same book um with the same writer as the through line and in that regard it did remind me of wandavision the show because of each of the episodes in the show being like a different sitcom style and so that was like a nice reflection that i wasn't sure if was intentional or not And another weird thing, which I'm pretty sure was not intentional, um, was there's a a villain in this comic who experienced grief and reacted to it by murdering a whole bunch of people. And that was like supposed to be the overarching big bad, but the way it was executed in the comic didn't quite work. And seeing how WandaVision, the show, approached the idea of dealing with grief and thinking that you're doing the right thing for everybody when it's really just the right thing for you and it's hurting other people. I was kind of frustrated at the missed opportunity (laughs) for there to be like a counterpoint. Like, okay, if you did have to bring in a villain, why not a villain who did the same kind of experience as you, but like totally took it to a different extreme as a contrast Mm -hmm. but yeah yeah i think i think the the scarlet witch comic is definitely worth a read i the one thing i have a, a real problem with it besides the 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 unrealized potential of the overarching plot is um there's like a few uh references to wanda being depressed and being on medication for that and all of those panels are done in black and white in contrast to the full mm. color of the rest of the book. And I don't feel like the tone was quite there in terms of them being like, yeah, like she's dealing with depression and she's like on medication and she's on a plan and she's doing that. It made it more like, oh, you have depression. Are you broken? And just like any kind of like shaming people for being depressed. I'm like, can we, can we not? Like it's 2021. Right. Some people have things to deal exactly. with. Like, come on. Right. So, um, yeah, I, I think if, if, uh, you liked WandaVision and want more Scarlet Witch, this is an interesting place to drop in because I feel like no, like no spoilers, but by the end of WandaVision, I feel like we're just starting to see Scarlet Witch on her journey. And this mm-hmm, felt mm-hmm. like almost per- possibly that same character, but many years down the line, like it felt like they were still connected as a character through the different mediums and creative teams. Gotcha. 
yeah I've, I've been sitting on this book for a long time i've been meaning to read it so i think you've just convinced me to put it on the top of my to read list yeah i mean it's it's not great i think it's interesting and it's definitely good if you just want a focused scarlet witch book because mm-hmm. i feel like most of the stuff she's in it's in the context of a team which is something she even like admits in the first few pages of this series mm-hmm. yeah interesting well so i'll take a look at that me. how about you mike well i read berserker it was um, an event the uh the other book that i read though that i, I do want to talk about um this is a SFSX Volume 1, a.k.a. Safe Sex Volume 1. This is written by Tina Horn with art by Michael Dowling, um, Alejandra Gutierrez, and Jen Hickman with uh, just v- rotating throughout the book, which is really interesting. Um, it's very. This is a very in-your-face book about the faults in modern white feminism taken to an extreme, and it's extremely terrifying and addicting to read. Um, I sat down not really knowing what this book was about because in my head I thought it was about like sex workers who are like vigilantes or something but it is like it is terrifying it's, it is genuinely about like a future world where you know this this radical like it's like turf style feminism is like running rampant and is is oppressed has like overruled like the patriarchy but in like the worst way possible as it is suppressing people who want to explore themselves um and their gender and their sexuality um and basically saying you know like if you want to be if you want to be trans that's against the law if you want to have sex in a way that's not permitted by the government that's illegal if you want to use sex toys that's legal everybody has a purity score it is scary shit and i think tina horn takes this kind of mentality that i think you could get out of a book like bitch planet and really drives it home in such a way that you kind of it, it's scary how close to reality is and i think everybody who read bitch planet goes that seems pretty close to where we are right now like safe sex is so close to reality right now that it, i was i finished the book going oh my god we're only two or three steps away from that and again this would imply like a whole drastic change in government and all this other stuff but that being said like some of the policies and ideals that they are talking about in this book are not far from some of the policies and ideas that you see being passed in like the american and you know european um world uh, or i guess the western world in general um so it was it was it was a really interesting read um it's not just about like the political side of things but that's like that's a key component as um the main character that we follow her name is avery um goes from this life of being a sex worker um who is married or who is with a partner to someone that has to get married in order to be like considered okay by the world and her life as a as a sex worker was like in this underground place where people could come and go freely and you know you could get whatever fetish you want and then of course the government breaks in and arrests everybody except for avery she manages to get away so everyone is upset that you know she managed to get away when others didn't um there's a whole mind washing thing there's a whole just there's a lot that goes on in this book and for six issues i was just i couldn't stop reading i was really really impressed um just with this whole book and like i said if you're if you're looking for something that gets you riled up like bitch planet i think this is a really really good next read um yeah i really enjoyed this book and i i want to see more of it i don't know where they could go with more of it but if it's like more stories in this world i'd be really interested to see what tina horn and her um you know cadre of of creators do next because this is a wonderful book um if you're looking to get into something that's going to just get your blood boiling but yeah, if you guys uh, get a chance, I highly recommend check that out. So, but let's move on. Let's talk about comic books that are coming about this upcoming week. Comics are dropping on March 10th, 2021. Um, what are you both excited for this week? I'm going to start with you, Nick. Sure. So 
to to just keep this brief this week not a lot of stuff coming out there was one thing i was kind of interested in it, it's not the new black hammer visions book sorry i don't need a jeff johns scott collins black hammer issue doesn't sound huh. that interesting to me whatever huh. <laughs> i'll leave it at that um yeah. <clears throat> especially after having having to follow the first issue i would not want to do it wouldn't want to do it don't really have Agreed. a lot of faith in the current team end of story i am excited for rogue planet this is the collected volume of the oni book by colin bunn who of course wrote magneto sixth gun moon knight uh anything you like he's written it i'm not going to say he wrote the best version of whatever you liked i do strongly believe uh his best work is his own creative original properties agreed uh, arts by andy mcdonald i uh i guess mcdonald has done voltron justice league colors by nick filardi um so here's basically the promotional summary from an interview colin bunn gave um quote the plotline follows the noble crew of the salvage vessel cortez as they track down the lonely orphan a mysterious untethered planet with no star system to call its home somewhere on this hostile rock is a valuable payload too rich to ignore but to acquire it members of the cortez must brave razor sharp terrain noxious vapors perilous footing uh, and the most terrifying horrors imaginable. So basically, you have a salvage vessel. You have people trying to do their last big mission, trying to get a big score. Uh, it's basically alien. Okay, um, it's alien. Uh, I have to get my fix somewhere because Dark Horse isn't allowed to make alien books anymore. And in a lot of places, you can't <laughs> you okay, even Nick? buy them. Yeah, no, not. I'm not okay. I promise. Um, <laughs> uh. And uh, obviously, there's an alien book on the horizon from Marvel. Uh, it looks like hot garbage. Um, yeah, so uh, this is this is where I'm going to get my kicks until then, I suppose. So, uh, and then of course, wow. you know, Colin Bond lists a bunch of movies that inspired him, and I'm like, okay, like I get it. Like I love those movies too. Who knows if you're going to live up to that? But um, what movies? Yeah. So. He's like, I love Event Horizon. I'm like, me too. And I'm not so sure this is going to be Event Horizon, but sure, we'll see. So hold we'll on, see. this isn't an alien book, but it's called Rogue Planet, and it sounds exactly like an alien book. Yeah, I suppose that's okay. what you do when you don't want to get sued. Um, right, right, right. <laughs> this is this is exactly like the Jeff Lemire book that he did that was definitely Conan the Barbarian, but wasn't Conan the Barbarian. Right? <laughs> oh, oh, um, what was that called? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I know yeah. what you mean. <laughs> Anyways, so, okay, yep, well, this sounds it. interesting. We'll I'd be curious to see what this book is. You'll have to give me a, a deeper review uh, once you actually get a chance to read this, because this sounds very interesting, especially if it's going to be just a one-and-done like, one kind of series. Yeah, yeah, it, it does um, appear to be. Um, I tried to get a more definitive answer on that, and it does seem like it's one-and-done. Yeah, gotcha. Oh, Danny in the chat just said that Jeff Lemire book I was talking about is called Berserk or Berserker Unbound. That's, That's what it is. Thank yep. you, Cinco. Um, anyways, Kara, what about you? What are you excited for this week? Um, so there is a new Thor and Loki book called Double Trouble Number One. Um, the creative team is Mariko <laughs> Tamaki and Gurihiru, and apparently they teamed up for a, a previous Double Trouble book that i wasn't aware of but this just looks like a fun potentially all ages romp kind of situation that's not really tied down to too much mythology i mean that in both right. the ancient and the modern sense of the word <laughs> well i mean given how serious i think all the thor books have been recently this is, sounds like a breath of fresh air right like i've i've tried reading thor comics and he's just not 
fun and in mm-hmm. and you know even before um oh god i'm i'm not going to pronounce this right um taika how do we say his last name who did ragnarok yeah 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 like even before he did ragnarok thor was funny in the marvel cinematic universe so Mm -hmm. i always was like yes that makes sense thor is the fish out of water he is like the lovable the lovable oaf he's just like the football guy that just wants everybody to get along i'm here for this and then in the comics he's like like i must help asgard and you're like calm down bro (laughs) what so um the the cover for thor and loki double trouble and the creative team indicate to me that this might be the fun romp of the kind of which i would like from Mm -hmm. thor and loki like they're right they're brothers who don't get along but love each other and they're just gonna bug each other the whole time let's do it like why don't we have more of this so um that's me and uh mike um what i'm what i'm gonna need from you now is to tell me why a a comic book called children of the atom is not about the atom or captain atom from dc comics but is in fact a marvel book how mike why i i'm happy to talk about that first thing i want to say though is that when i saw the title for this book thor and loki all i could think of was the mary kate and ashley television film i don't know why like the made for tv mary kate and ashley movie double trouble it's a halloween movie um i don't know why that came to my head i just uh vibe you know uh yeah so anyways i just uh i don't know why that came to my head yeah and i'm hoping that maybe that's what this book is going to be it's just going to be them having fun adventures on halloween yeah (laughs) with mary kate and ashley anyways i guess you know before we get into my pick as we've been doing for the last couple weeks you know it's 2021 we want people to read comic books we want to help you read comic books so if you share the show on social media on instagram or twitter and make sure to tag us you could be entered to win a 20 dollars gift card to comiXology midtown comics or your local comic book shop if they offer it so make sure you mention share the show on twitter and instagram it really genuinely helps us whether or not you're getting a gift card it getting more people to listen to the show only means that the I read comic books community can grow even bigger. I mean, our Goodreads group is exploding, but I want the discord group to be as big as the Goodreads group. You know what I mean? Um, anyways, I do want to talk about our discord picks from this week. This week, our discord picks, I, I'm going to give people time to give me an answer here, but Danny said that he's reading God of War Fallen God number one, and Cinco's on the, on the, Cinco and I, I are guess, fighting bridge. because I stole all his, yeah, he picked Thor, Loki, Double Trouble, and then he wanted to pick Children of the Atom. Um, it's okay. You know, you got two picks. That's fine. You can break all the rules, too. I believe in you. <laughs> um, but for me, my pick this week is Children of the Atom as well. This is by Vita Ayala with uh, pencils and inks by Bernard Chang with uh, colors by Marcella Maiolo. Uh, the story is about teenage superheroes featuring the X-Men. I don't know what this book is about, but I'm ready. Vita rarely disappoints. Everything they do is is solid gold and i think that they do like such a good job writing like teenage characters this is the new craig kyle chris yo style like new x-men academy x stuff that really got me to fall in love and believe in like b and c list characters i'm very excited to see what vita does with this book because whatever it is i'm sure that it's going to be a lot of fun like their run on new mutants right now is probably like it's growing to become my favorite x-men book next to hellions like Let's see if this book can can kick some bucks. I, I'm very excited for it. So um, Children of the Atom, number one, that's my pick. Very excited to see what happens with this. Um, yeah, we're going to take a quick break. When we come back, we're going to be doing something really wild because this is an audio podcast 
and we're going to be talking about completely visual things. So when we come back, we're going to try to judge a book by its cover. We'll be back in just a second. Welcome back from the break. Mike has decided that he wants no part of this topic, so I'm just going (laughs) to get into it. Um, So we all do this thing and we all think, no, I'm above that. I'm a comic fan. I know what I'm doing. But we all judge the book by its cover. And it might not be an overt thing where you're like that covers garbage i'm not buying that book but you know you're at your local comic shop or you're browsing comiXology or hoopla you're looking at that art the comic book medium is a visual medium it is a purely visual medium and when you are trying to decide what to spend your hard-earned money on for 10 minutes of entertainment, depending on if you read as fast as I do, you are mm-hmm. going to make some choices that are snap decisions made on what that book looks like. And then that might be your cue to like read a little more and maybe make your decision from there. But there is that snap visual judgment. So because... Mike likes talking about stuff and Nick really likes talking about covers. I thought it would be interesting for us to all come together and judge some covers. We're just going to we're just going to talk about some comic book covers. We've each selected a few and uh, the person who selected it is going to ask the people who didn't select it to briefly describe the cover and to make a judgment. What do you think is this book about? Would you read this book? Is this book for you or for perhaps somebody else? Because these are the things that we're all kind of thinking about subconsciously when we're scanning True. the racks. So, and I'll and I'll make sure to drop all of these in the show notes for folks, just so that you can you know dig through and, and read along, or I guess look along with us. Yeah, yeah. Um, so we're going to start with a with a pretty pretty simple one. So I'm going to have you guys go and take a look at Selena's big score. It's the cover from Selena's Big Score. So uh, okay, you guys just go okay. on and take a look at that one and tell the listeners what you see. What is this, a cover for ants? Um, <laughs> look, sorry, I couldn't it's very find, small. Look, it's a very I tried small really, image. really hard to find a version of this cover that didn't have um, blurbs all over it. Ah, uh, okay. That makes sense. That makes sense. Yeah. Um, well, I guess what we're looking at here is we're looking at like a standard DC comics cover because it has a big DC logo, like the old DC logo before they the did like the sticker peel away thing. It's the bullet. Um, yeah. Yeah. The bullet. That's what it's called. Uh, we've got Catwoman in a very nice dress. I think this looks like Darwin Cook, maybe. Um, there is like a moving background. Maybe they're on the top of a train. Selena's standing over a pile of money. There are two fellas standing behind her. One guy's got a cigarette in his mouth, so you know he's cool and the bad guy. Um <laughs> And then another guy has sunglasses and a gun, but he's kind of smiling, so he might be a friend. Um, yeah. What a great description, Nick, what Mike. Are your thoughts? Yeah. What are your thoughts there's, on this, there, Nick? There's money flying everywhere. There's definitely sort of like a 1980s color palette, in in my opinion. you got like some purples and pinks going on. Mm-hmm, um, mm-hmm. It, her outfit looks very 80s. Um I don't know. I would call this early 90s, maybe. Oh, uh, sure. I'll, we can split the difference on that. That's fair. Sure, sure. Um, uh, the hair is, like, very cool. 
Um, you know it's Darwin Cook because Darwin Cook actually knows how to draw Selena Kyle slash Catwoman in a way that makes her look cool, but also not like <laughs> exploitative. Um, right, right. Which is something that so few people seem at all capable of doing. Um, so respect to Darwin Cook, rest in peace. Um, yeah, he's always had this sensibility of kind of. I mean, I know a lot of artists don't like being called retro, but it's like very pinup retro modern. It's very clean, clean lines. Yeah, uh, yeah I'd call it neo retro futurism. Oh my you god! Know? Uh, so, <laughs> right. So, what can you glean about the like? What kind of assumptions can you make about this story behind this cover? Sure. So, I mean, there's clearly a railroad track sign. I don't know why I said I think they're on a train. They're definitely on a train. Oh, yeah. Uh, yeah. I, uh, so, I'm guessing that's like a train heist or something. But since Selena's not in her costume on the cover, I'm thinking that this is going to be more of a, like, heist than just her breaking and entering. That's my guess. And and based on that, what exactly what you said, Mike, I would also say that I think this is going to be not very soups oriented. Like, Agreed. I don't think any other superhero characters are coming going to come into play with this. I don't think any of that. I think it's just going to be her. And she just the only thing we're probably taking from the Catwoman history is that we know that Selena is someone who performs heists and you know, is always looking for the next big score and no pun intended, obviously with the title, it just happened. (laughs) I wasn't even looking at it. It must've been subconsciously. Um, And like that, that's probably the only part of the DC canon that we're actually working with. I would say. Yeah. Well, as someone who has read this book multiple times, may I say, well done. You nailed it. You have described the basic plot and characters of the book. And that's why I chose this cover, because I think this cover is one of the better examples of how to convey the beats of what is inside without really giving away what's going to happen. So Mm -hmm. good job. Based on this cover, is this a book you might pick up? I mean, as someone who is a big comic book reader, I mean, Darwin Cook. (laughs) I'm pretty sure I actually am pretty sure I I own this book already. I just haven't read it yet. (laughs) As someone who is kind of a big deal. <laughs> As someone Wait, did, who what knows did I say? stuff about things. I mean, I'm a big comic book reader. Is that incorrect? Well, no, no, it's just did really you guys, funny that, that you're I... just like, um, I have eyes and Darwin Cook slaps. So, of course, I'm going to read this. <laughs> good. Good. I love it. I love, it's, no, that's perfect. All right. All right. Good job, guys. Now you get what we're doing. So, one, one of you, tell Mike, tell us, a, tell us a cover to look at. Um, okay. So, I want you guys to look at Rest Number One. Okay. This is a book that came out in like 2010. Oh, no. I thought it was really, really cool. Oh, no. Uh, There's stuff right, happening this, here, Mike. So, right. this is Rest Number. So, this is Rest Number One, but I also think it's also the cover to Number Zero. Okay. So, yeah, it says zero. I, when I Googled it for Number One, this is what came up. So, right. based off of this, yeah, yeah. tell the people what you guys What see. do we Ooh, see? This is oh, a good one mike this is a good one so we got some some visual it's really like a like a like a like a half split but it's it's more like quadrants because there's like a it's like a cross situation going on visually so we've got the upper left quadrant which has a dude in a suit and there's just flames behind him but not coming out of his head and there's a (laughs) clock behind him so maybe he's like running out of time and then we're shifted over to the the top I think right the clock is on fire is the, the clock, clock on fire 
the clock might be on fire. And then we shift to the right quadrant where the colors are cooler tones. There's all these pills dropping down. And as we follow the line of the pills dropping down, we see might be the same dude, might be a different dude um, running and towards the camera. And behind him, it's what turns this into quadrants. There's like these little outlines of dudes in suits with briefcases um, marching in a line. And then the bottom two quadrants are just kind of there. But because of the division of the marching dudes, there is that um, that split in the screen, as it were. Yeah. I <laughs> Nick, do you have anything to add about the description? I mean, it kind of looks like somebody made a like modern art collage. <laughs> and then they're like, what mm-hmm. does this mean? And it's like, uh, you made this. Um <laughs> Yeah, there's a lot of elements like they all sort of bleed into each other in like Kara mentioned quadrants, but like it's quadrants very loosely like things just sort of like all of the elements kind of just intermesh in ways that like don't allow them to stay within their own confines. Um, But I mean, I fun with layers. Yeah, <laughs> but it looks like we've probably got someone who's like a businessman. You've got, uh, I thought there was a briefcase, but I mean, I guess there are briefcases in the little silhouettes, but everybody looks very business formal. So I'm guessing we got like some businessmen. Kara um, mentioned the falling pills. So I'd imagine we've got some person who's like a businessman, but like he's also got an addiction because. He's got an addiction um, and he's running out of time. You gotta work real hard and in order to work real hard you gotta take five en- hour energy and if that doesn't work <laughs> you move on to stronger things. I don't know. Um, oh my god. This, guy, may- okay. this is dark. Okay, There's darkness and yeah. the pill. But I, it, I agree he's like running he's like kind of running away from and through the pills so I agree with the, the addiction concept but the dudes in suits I'm like is he part of the pharmaceutical industry? Is he trying to get away from it all? This clock on fire is like a huge, like, <laughs> okay. shit's happening. Someone who's but, running out of time. I see that right. as like a running out of time right, right. But also, symbol. because DC And it's almost midnight, right? If you look. Hmm. Right, but that's why I'm saying this is not a DC comic, but... Because DC won't shut the fuck up about Watchmen, I am trained now in comics to view clocks close to midnight. All clocks are doomsday clocks. clocks. (laughs) Okay, okay. I like where you guys are going with a lot of these ideas. So I'm curious, what do you guys think this book is about then? Based off of... sure. The, the why i mean i did really pick a wild cover and that was intentional but i no, i love it even if i, if I would have picked the the standard covers you guys would have been like would have had less understanding of what this sure. book's about oh I my god so are you serious what I do you think, think this book is about i hmm. think it's about a dude who is addicted to these pills that are making him just like literally burn out but he's got something important to do on the way and it's a race against time between him and the addiction and possibly he's trying to bring down some kind of corporate structure as part of this plot and i think you're also gonna have a scarface getting high on your own supply sort of situation where he's also working for the pharmacy industry that he's addicted to gotcha um 
Okay, well, you guys are way off. Oh, no. Um, oh, Jesus. Are you serious? <laughs> so this story is about... Oh, no. <laughs> uh, I want to say the reason I got into this book is because I was really into heroes at the time. Okay? The show. Into, uh, what? This book, the show. Listen, the show. listen. The show. The, I was really into the show Heroes, okay, right? The, the NBC okay. show. Uh, Milo Ventimiglia, yep. who was who was played Peter, I believe, on that show, produced this comic. Stop. With, oh, a, no with, shit. A, with some production company. Um and it's about a guy who he meets up with a college friend who's like, hey, you should come in for this test, this drug trial to earn some money because I know that you've got nothing going on with your life. And the drug itself allows you to you take it once a day and you don't have to sleep. And the idea is that it this thing replaces sleep. And as this guy learns more about this pharmaceutical company, what they plan to do, they're trying to turn the day into like a 16-hour workforce because you don't have to sleep. Um, and he starts to uncover all this mysterious stuff about what these pills are. Um, Fiverr already exists. On. People already work for Fiverr. Yeah, exactly. Oh um, but yeah, so it's basically him just uncovering some giant human human conspiracy about this pill um, and how it like dates back to forever. It's it's a wild book. But yes, time is the essence. Uh, he's trying to run away. These pills are crucial. Everyone's so, taking them. So he's not yeah. addicted. He's he's not addicted, but I think once you start to take the pills, you can't stop taking them. I think he finds out. That's, that's uh, again. Addiction. I read this book like ten years ago. <laughs> um, yeah, so I guess technically he's addicted, but yeah, he's trying to stop this company from mass producing these pills. Um, and I believe there's like some threat of the person he gets the pills from is like, well, I could just stop giving them to we you. We're and, kind of yeah. close, Mike. <laughs> I guess I just wanted you guys to be wrong. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> okay, your turn. Nick. It's a weird book. It's a weird book. Yeah, Nick, give us something. No, that actually sounds pretty good. All right, so um, uh, both of you can go ahead and take a look at um, WWE number one. Oh, my God. Mike, go ahead and paste that in in the chat. Nick, God damn it. Fuck you, Nick. Nick. I said you aren't allowed to do this. (laughs) Look, Um, I didn't make the rules for this. Kara, describe this cover oh. and then Nick's going to actually give us a real cover. Oh my god. Okay. All right. So I didn't Nick I has didn't, given us This wasn't my idea. I Nick, didn't make Yes. Yeah. Nick gave us the void. The blank <laughs> expanse us... of nothingness that is Nick gave us the blank variant cover for <laughs> WWE number 1, which I will say <laughs> How was dare a joke you? that I made to him when we were talking <laughs> This is your <laughs> fault, Mike. Okay. This is my fault. I put I put the evil idea all in right, Nick's all right. head. Well, so it's, it's I, a blank I had the idea, cover. and no, Mike said it. this is okay. No, no, we're going to no. do this. You chose this path, so this is a okay. blank cover. It is white. It is devoid of everything except for, I guess this is the updated WWE logo. I haven't seen it since right. the 90s. Um, yeah. And what I can tell about this this book is that it is likely about the WWE, which is a wrestling organization. Mm-hmm. And the blank expanse um, tells me that it is a story upon which I can just project whatever shit's going on in my life onto what's happening in this book because life is meaningless anyways. Is this the kind of nihilism you wanted from today, Nick? Yeah. So, I, you know, Kara, I'm right there with you. 
Um, I feel like the the expanse, the endless borders of this cover mean that anything is possible. Like in the comic book medium, you can draw anything that you want. And, and fiction becomes reality when you do that. Um, people may fall deep into the ideas of this story um, with, you know, the WWE being a facade on play upon the expanded um, possibilities and imagination that people have in the ring as you watch on TV you realize that it, it is all a charade and yet at the same time you believe and you root for the people who you love and care about who are in the ring they know the outcome of the match but you as the viewer don't and therefore you make your own assumptions about everything you grow as the characters grow and tell their stories this WWE blank variant speaks to me in such a way that says that again anything is possible and whatever we make of this world and of this comic <laughs> is possible okay so i'm not gonna pick up this book because i do not (laughs) care for wrestling and i am now mad at boom based on what you told me about (laughs) yes (sighs) i'm going to pick up this book only to burn it (laughs) just in front of nick um i know that would hurt paul but um it's a sacrifice that i'm willing to make nick will you pick a book that actually isn't a blank variant you evil son of a bitch (laughs) one god <laughs> i was gonna say danny's like i need this i need this book Nick, uh, um, give us uh-huh, the cover. Uh-huh. yeah okay so um let's do everything um volume one mike i know if you've read this but i'm very curious to see what oh. kara oh jesus christ okay, okay so takes on yeah, go for it. so um this cover stark contrast to the void <laughs> is <laughs> not as good i know you you, you don't There's... need to say it i'll say it not as good you go sit in the corner nick think about what you've done <laughs> so everything number one the cover there is a woman who has um she's staring right at you she's the center of this cover her stare is unnerving because it's like slightly wide wide eyed and one of her eyes is in fact glowing green and shooting greenness out towards you and fluttering around her are all these signs that say um sale and it's kind of making me feel like this woman wants me to buy things or else and i Mm. don't Hmm. like it um interesting she's got like a like a turtleneck on and a collared shirt and i see underneath the um the credits bar with who uh wrote and drew the book that she's got like a name tag so this tells me Mm -hmm. she is an employee of a store that wants me to buy everything so i'm gonna judge this cover as a uh commentary about amazon (laughs) okay i like that i like that or costco even yeah i just you know what um i have to wonder why her hair is drawn the way that it is because it kind of looks like her hair is looped in under itself and Mm -hmm. for a minute that threw me off and made me think like is this a star trek thing like this is a space hairdo but now i see that the artist just can't draw women's hair um so <laughs> that threw me for a minute how how am i doing is this like is this an amazon commentary well the good thing kara is that everyone else here i'm looking at the chat has actually read this book which means i can divulge certain amounts without really 
being too worried. This is, so we are being we are recording this to go out to people that may have not read this book. Oh, so true enough. Yeah. True enough. So I will no, I will no, have no, my spoilers. Here. Um, spoilers. So you're you're not you're not entirely wrong. Um, it is sort of a book about consumerism. Uh, it takes place in the eighties at a department store in the Midwest. Um, uh, the store is literally called everything. If, am I recalling that right? Is no, you're store- right. You're right. Oh gosh. I was like, suddenly had that moment of, so, Oh my God, so what if I have it wrong? With the, with the store stuff, I was just, um, oh, yeah. projecting a little bit with making it about Amazon. Cause we were talking and about Mike's Alexa. It, it kind of is. I mean, it's, I think it's more of a, like a it, commentary on, it's big a big box. chain. Walmart. Yeah, big chains that kind of destroy small towns. Mm-hmm. Okay. And sort of some of the stuff that you mentioned about the eye, about the hair seeming a little bit weird and unnatural, uh, you're not entirely wrong. There are some things going on with this character that are um, not normal. I think Mike will agree <laughs> that I should just leave it yes. there. Her and eye not- is yeah, glowing. What part of normal is this? Look, a lot of medications have little side effects here and there. They go away within a week. <laughs> I've oh been God. on things where my eye glows Nick. sporadically for a couple. Nick. What? Yes. No, wait. Just... I thought you were about to say, well, you know what? In the Midwest. And then I was just going to lose it. Yeah. <laughs> In the Midwest, this happens all the time and we don't complain yeah. about it. And yeah. No, Um, I, I think you've got the core conceit pretty Pretty well, far. I would you know, not pick up close. this book because this woman looks terrifying, and I have enough of being terrified by capitalism in the meantime. Sorry, not yep. capitalism, consumerism. Mm. Consumerism mm-hmm. is the word I want. Yeah, this book definitely um, amps that up. Yep, quite a bit. I'll say that. All right. Um, I want you guys to look at Sword of the Atom number one, please. Okay. I would love your reactions for Sword of the Atom number one. Oh God. <laughs> Uh, Nick, do you want to give the Ooh. full description here, and I'll add my feedback once oh, you're done? God, um, <laughs> yeah, I'll try. I don't know start, if anyone's Nick. gonna. I don't know if anyone's gonna do this justice. I mean, they've got the comic code thing off to the side, but I'm not so sure if this didn't void that. This is Nick. so. <laughs> it says it's sort of the atom at the top. Um, we know that it's a miniseries. We've got the DC bullet. So we know this comic is clearly pretty dated. Also, it says it's 60 cents. So definitely dated. Um, guess they're not going to hold the line at 60 cents. In terms of visual elements, we've got a lot going on here. We have a uh, superhero. This person appears to be riding a frog. This person also has a sword. Um, it looks like they're about to do combat with just off to the left of it. What looks like a cobra. Um, yep. I mean, I would go out on a limb here and say, if we're talking about the atom, we know that the atom can get very small. So I'm assuming this is definitely one of those atom, honey, I shrunk the kids sort of situations. <laughs> um, yes. yeah. Uh, wow. I mean, no joke. <laughs> probably would read this even though it's clearly depicting nature which is always terrifying to me well, so i will what do you think it's about yeah so i just want to say like this book is very on the nose and i appreciate it like this is the atom this is the sword of the atom so 
I appreciate that while the Adam is holding a sword, he's riding a frog, he's fighting a cobra. Like all of this definitely screams like action adventure, but on a small scale. Um, I probably would check this out if I could borrow it, but I don't think I would buy this book because it's like I can already tell that it's going to be just kind of dumb, but in a good way, like in a fun way. Um, yeah, it's just it's if it's just the Adam fighting like snakes and stuff. that's interesting um probably pretty boring but i'm guessing that there's probably more story here because i feel like books in the 60s were way more action-packed than the content sometimes or 80s excuse me or definitely had more action on the covers than in the in the actual book itself i i'm certain that it's this is not just going to be the adam riding around on a frog the entire time (laughs) as exciting as that may be like lone ranger style it's the adam riding around on this flaw this frog uh yeah probably not what about you nick i don't know would you pick this book up i mean like it's got some things like that i'm very terrified of being outdoors is one and then following that being outdoors (laughs) and being very small within nature like so that's like kind of a no for me but i love the idea that someone said how do we riff on the atom and someone else in the room who i don't know maybe they were drunk was like what if what what if the twist is he has a sword and someone was like yeah but his powers are being small maybe we should do something around that maybe he can make things big or small i don't know maybe that's ant-man and we're infringing but then someone else was no fuck you sword and yes and that's what happened and i i love it for that because that just seems so dumb i love it <laughs> um <laughs> I okay. I am going to read you the blurb from the DC fandom wiki about Heck Sword yes, of the Atom. It, it is described as a major storyline featuring the Atom, Ray Palmer. After discovering his longtime lover, Gene Loring, cheated on him, Ray left <gasps> Ivy Town and soon found himself stranded in microscopic size in the Amazon rainforest. There, um, he had adventures with the alien princess Lathwen in the realm of Morlaid. Oh my god! So there's nothing about the sword. Like, that nothing, just goes... Yeah, the sword's not even in the description. Okay. <laughs> I mean, basically, they take this character, the Atom, who is like part of this whole space age. Oh, my God, we have nuclear power now. Superheroes thing. He's like a micro, I think, biology professor at what is clearly supposed to be Harvard or MIT. And Mm -hmm. instead, in this book, he's like, my lover has cheated on me angst i'm gonna run away to the amazon because what else do you do and um then he got small and met an alien princess and had sword and sorcery adventures even though he is a nuclear age hero like duh sure i sword and sorcery i guess this is a normal sword or not (laughs) yeah Nick, I think you need to read the series to find out. So we are we're running out of time. We we should get to one more cover each, I think. So I'm gonna pick one of my covers. Yep. I'm just gonna jump into this and I'm gonna just to spite Nick. Okay. Oh, I wanna no. pick Dead Drop number one. Okay. So I want you guys to check out Dead Drop number one and tell me Ooh. what you think. Um first of all, how dare you pick a book that says on the cover of Virus on the Loose? I am living that life right now, Mike, and I hate it. I know. I know. I'm evil. I'm sorry. On the other hand, Alesh Kot, yes. 
A hundred percent, yes. All right, I'm not looking at the creative team anymore. So, yeah, let's let's uh, describe right, this. Yeah, describe the cover. Um, dead drop. I am looking at uh, straight down on a street view of um, what is likely Manhattan because it's a grid, and then that that the diagonal street suggests Broadway to me. And there's a dude dressed as a superhero that is just, I'm gonna say, falling. Like he could be flying, but his his attitude suggests more falling or just kind of like lying down after having fallen. Like his arms are spread out, um, lying on top of one of the the cross streets, and his legs are kind of spread in in that he's on that um, that diagonal street. So he's very much uh, like on top of, but not of the map that we are looking at. Um, so this mm-hmm. to me suggests some kind of uh, superhero dealing with a situation that he's out of his depth on that takes place in an urban environment where um, that looks like little cop cars darting around on the streets. Mm. So I'm going to mm-hmm. say he's really in over his head and perhaps the authorities are looking for him and he doesn't know what to do. So he's just lying there. I mean, okay. Nick, I couldn't remember if you read this book or not. Um, yeah, yeah, I've, okay. I've, I've okay. it's been a while, but I mean, Kara got it all. I mean, that, that's what I would say. Uh, she failed to mention that it's Iron Man, but <laughs> <laughs> it looks like Iron Man. Yeah, this is definitely in New York City. It's definitely it's. I mean, Broadway and Seventh, you know, where they intersect. Um, and it's got that blue tone of like a um like a like a draftsman's drawing like a schematic or something like yeah. that yeah um yeah i mean the i guess based on this cover would you pick this up i mean nick i know you already bought it and read it but like kara what are you what are you thinking i might be convinced to pick this up if we weren't in the middle of a pandemic <laughs> but, sure um sure because visually it's a very striking cover it's a very striking cover mm-hmm. and um i do like alesh Kot's work so just like the cover would have grabbed my attention. And then when I got closer mm-hmm. and saw the creative team, I would be like, yeah, this fucks. Yeah. Let me get this. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I think pointing the- out the interiors for this book are not. Yeah. Not the same as the cover. OK, mm-hmm. if we um, start talking about covers that are complete lies in terms of art, we'll just be here all day right. talking about Kevin right. Wada. So it's a different. I don't. It's a different. <laughs> uh, that's a different subject. Yeah. Right. What's interesting. Yeah. I mean, obviously, the the virus context of this on the cover here is a little bit busted because we're, you know, in, in the COVID times. But um, this, you know, this it's funny because this is about like a, a biological weapon derived from like a, a technological virus or something like that. Oh so God. it's kind of yeah, it's all in bad taste, actually, now that we think about it. Mm-hmm. But yeah, you pretty much nailed it. I mean, the opening of this book is this guy dropping into New York City and he's trying to find um this usb key uh and it's interesting because i think alish cott read the same article that i did about these things called dead drops mm-hmm. oh yeah and they're basically like usb ports and stuff like that that people like put all over cities like behind like it, hidden bricks and walls and stuff yeah, like that yeah where you can like download information from just like someone has a computer behind a brick wall like embedded into a brick wall and you plug in a usb drive and it does the thing so it's pretty wild um but yeah, okay, okay. All right, that's, okay. that's fine. Let's, it it does the cover does give the idea that it is sort of like a very, um, like geographically, it's a romp across New York, and it is. Yeah, it it is, and it nails it, that. It's honestly such an interesting four issue series that just kind of 
it's so fast paced it almost it almost like breaks your neck with the speed at which it moves um but anyways that's that's my third All or right. my second pick nick what's your what's your last cover here i know you already had two because you cheated but yeah just, let's i mean i was planning on 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 dropping a raul allen cover but you just dropped a raul allen cover which means i'm gonna Got drop you. a second and i don't care oh um what are we looking at so nick? so secret weapons number three Another oh, Valiant book. What is Another Valiant happening? cover by the same artist. Well, I mean, to be fair, I picked two DC books that both started with the letter S. So, like, you know. <laughs> oh, True. it's fine. All right. There's a lot of yellow going on here, which now that I see mm-hmm. it, that's not a very common cover color. Mm-mm. Right. Mm-mm. There's a lot of it's like a gold tone um like a bright marigold yellow just the whole cover is fairly monochromatic and then there's like a lot of stuff like the title takes up a full half the cover but vertically not horizontally and Mm -hmm. then you see a dude wearing a bowie skull t-shirt (laughs) and there's a lot of junk around him um there's like a teddy bear and a pipe and a horn you say junk one one man's trash right i mean there's a pharaoh head in here is that real like that's priceless if so there's also like a pizza and a game boy color um just like rubik's cube a lemon yeah timex watch so this to me says um bachelor struggling with things like he's just lying on the floor of his apartment and his life is spread out around him physically and symbolically and uh he's just got like stuff going on can't really deal like his um his hands are like behind his head and on top of his stomach and there's some like discoloration coming out of that so i'm Mm. wondering if he's been injured through superpowers somehow what about his face how would you describe his face uh, his expression um uh i would describe his facial expression as um constipated reggie mantle like this is like an elvis <laughs> who is uncomfortable there's a pout okay. but um he's like he's not in pain he's just kind of confused and doesn't really know what's going on mm-hmm. um maybe a little discomfort i don't know anybody li- he's definitely like lying on the ground like his knee is kind of up in a yeah. way that suggests yeah. that he's on the ground. Um, yeah. Okay. I don't, don't know what this book is about, Nick. What is this book about? I've never read. I mean, I've, I've read this book. I can't remember. I don't remember what the specific issue is, but yeah, I mean, I know who this character is. So I, lo- I love this cover. It's absolutely beautiful. It's yeah. great. Wonderful. I just Especially don't know what this book is about. Character. Yeah. So, Give us a description, Nick. Right. So, uh, this book does surround a group of um, uh, individuals who have found out that they have superpowers um, or abilities, uh, and um, they weren't recruited into this big sort of like if if you consider like that this universe has something equivalent to the X Men, where people get powers and they learn how to use them and develop them. Um, some people get powers, but their powers are considered to be quote unquote useless, quote unquote novelties, whatever you want to say. And so this group, this comic really centers around a lot of these rejects, so to speak, who have these powers that are, um, considered trivial or not 
<clears throat> really great. There's there's one character who can just touch anything and it has the ability to make things glow. Um, and with the covers, what they've done is they've illustrated, if I remember right, I think this is true for each cover, um, they illustrate um, one of the people's powers. And the person you're seeing on this cover is Owen. And Owen's ability is that he's able to <laughs> manifest one item at any given point. He can just mm-hmm. manifest the item. The problem is he cannot control at all what the item is. Like oh. he just yeah. manifests it and he has no idea whether or not, like if he's like falling out of the air and he'd love to manifest a parachute, who's to say he doesn't manifest the keyboard, right? Or something like that. <laughs> right, right. So, right. Uh, so then that makes, makes sense some, as the yes. cover. Yeah. Got so you it. just have a ton of junk. Yep. Yeah, and I just want to remind everybody that you can buy the Have You Read Secret Weapons Yet t-shirt in our store, <laughs> ircbpodcast.com. Uh, shop.ircbpodcast.com. It's made specifically for Nick. Uh- <laughs> right, but then my thought was, all right, I need that t-shirt, but then I can never read Secret Weapons because then the joke right. is I've never read it. <clears throat> well, if you read it, then you're the person asking the question, right? Um that's the idea. But I think. what if I want to um, antagonize people into thinking yeah. I'm a fake geek girl instead? <laughs> oh my gosh, Kara, you're you're on you're on level five of this manipulation game. I'm only on level one. Um, well, okay, this is really cool. I, we, like I said, we're kind of running out of time here. We could pro- we have I I prepped like ten different covers. We had a bunch in in reserve just in case. So I mean, this was a lot of fun, Kara. I think well, we it's definitely, an interesting exercise because yeah, I think we might have to revisit yeah. this with other people on the show because yeah. I think this could be really really fun to find just some wild covers of books that we've read. I guess to to wrap things up, you know, I want to say thanks to everyone on the Discord for hanging out with us, Cinco and Jeff and Danny. We really appreciate it. You can always follow us on Twitter if you want more hot comic takes and things like that. You can follow Kara at Kara Sam. You can follow nick at death star plans you can follow me at mike rappin uh, and you can follow the show at ircb podcast on twitter and instagram this episode first aired on patreon and is possible because of our wonderful patrons you can join today for access to exclusive series like ircb movie club saga of saga and more you can join now at patreon.com forward slash ircb podcast yeah yeah join now we've got some some stuff coming down the pipe this year Um, If you haven't already, please rate and review our show five stars on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, or wherever you listen to podcasts. It really does help us spread the word about IRCB. And you can join the IRCB Discord community to chat comics and more and to listen to our episodes live as we record at ircbpodcast.com slash discord. And it would help us a lot if you tell your friends or your local comic shop about the show, perhaps while wearing your Have Your Red Secret Weapons t-shirt. <laughs> um, at, yeah, you can always get t-shirts and stuff like that at shop.ircbpodcast.com. We've got all sorts of things like stickers and pins and t-shirts and all sorts of fun stuff. Um, Infinity Shred is the best band in the universe. They do all of our music. Can't thank them enough. Their new EP was is out. It's fantastic. Uh, Xander is a very nice person. Very, very cool friend. Nice guy who wears a hat all the time, at least when I see him on video. Um, <laughs> He also edits the show. <laughs> I want to say thank you to Kara and Nick again for being on this episode. Thank you to Jeff, Cinco, and Danny for hanging out with us on Discord while we recorded live. Thank you to everyone out there who listens to the show. You are fantastic human beings, and we love you. Until next time, comics are good, and so are you. <laughs> <laughs>